Yo, this is Pastor Tito, and welcome to another episode of the Revolutionary Podcast. Last week, we introduced a topic about having a clear conscience before God. What does that mean? And we were looking at the first half of uh, something that happened to Paul. We're going to look at part two today. But we're also going to continue that. Going to continue the kind of part two of the implications of a clear conscience and the danger of having a seared one. And that's what we're going to look at in part two of the rest of the story of what happened to Paul and Felix. Today's really going to be like a continuation. I'm picking up where we left off last week. And so if you missed last week, it was really talking about uh, Paul and his encounter that he had, which we've been studying the book of Acts all year. And in this case, where we've been, uh, where we've paused is in this moment where Paul was arrested in Jerusalem and now he's sent to Governor Felix and he's put on trial by a bunch of Jews who want to persecute him, want to kill him because of what he is doing. The fact that the Christian faith is growing so much. So many Jews are coming to faith in Jesus and there was the, the power elite that did not want to let go of tradition. They did not want to let go of their interpretation of things and they did not want to surrender to the revelation of God. They were happy with the box that they made for God. And they wanted to kill Paul. And so last week, uh, we talked about Paul, how he stood before the tribunal. I'm not really Felix. And we had uh, this uh, lawyer hitman, Tertullus, came up and gave this epic, you know, epic um, way of trying to manipulate the circumstance and the situation. And then Paul, man, through the power of the Holy Spirit, just responded back so effortlessly. And I mean, amazingly. I mean, it was so cool. And so today we're going to talk about the what happened after that. But it's also the continuation because last week we talked about having a clear conscience before the Lord. How to do that, right? How do you deal with a guilty conscience and, and how God's truth helps us and convinces us of who he is and that we are forgiven, that we are uh, saved despite our efforts, despite that, the fact that we know we're guilty. But yet God gives us a clear conscience to know that yes, although we are guilty of sin, what Jesus did on the cross is enough for the forgiveness of all those sins. And we can stand before God clear, not of guilt or not of fault, but clear knowing that Christ has cleared our slate, that he has cleansed our sin, that we don't have to worry about that future judgment because our sin has been judged already. All right. And that convincing is a really interesting thing because we also talked about the negative, right? The fact that you can not only have a conscience that, uh, that the Holy Spirit and that God's truth ought to speak into, you know, we said that the conscience is like a clock, right? Uh, I, I know this week, you know, last night we had it all reset, some, some, some clocks, right? My um, oven clock did not reset automatically. I got to reset that one, right? Uh, the, the car clock did not reset. And so we all know that clocks have to be set according to, they have to be powered by something and set according to the truth, right? Right now, if it is what, 9, it is 952? 
Correct? That's the correct hour. So if yours says 1052, you're living in the future, all right? And so we're, we're, us peasants, we're living in the past. You're living in the future on another level. And so, but we know that that's not true. It has to be reset. And so our conscience has to be reset constantly with the truth of God so that we are constantly not just convicted rightly and convinced rightly. And this is an ongoing thing because what, what God and what the truth does, it's like a good coach. I don't know if you've ever had a good coach, a good parent, right? Maybe a good mentor, a good boss that always finds something to give you like, hey, work on this. Hey, great, great, great. But you know what? You got to work on this game. You got to work on this aspect. You got to work on this. Now, some of us may see, oh, it's so annoying, right? But we all know that a good coach will call out your flaws and call out the things that you need to improve on. Why? Because he wants to pull the best out of you. You feeling me on that? Guys, listen, God would be like, why doesn't God leave me alone, right? I was like, God just always messing with me, man. He's always in my kitchen just moving things. What's going on? And I was like saying, well, because he loves you. And he is trying to pull and draw the best out of you. And so that, that requires sometimes being convicted, all of those things. So that's the good thing. And I'm here to warn you, the closer you get to God, the more sensitive those little things feel. The more, the closer you get to God, the more sensitive you are to those things. And the thing that maybe would never bother you now, bother you then, bothers you now. Why? Because God is trying, hey, keep going. Come on, keep going. That's where you want to be. What you don't want to be is having a numb conscience. And when literally God's truth is like screaming at your face and you're just numb that is not a good place to be. And we talked about how do you get to that place when you ignore the obvious. You get to that place when you ignore the truth statements of God, when you ignore the things that are common sense. The more you do that, the more you ignore those things, the more you become ignorant. That's just true. I think it's like you could say a lot of that in even society as well. Like the more, the more we ignore common sense things, man, the more ignorant we become. And the more mistakes we make, right? And so that's a big thing. And the most obvious thing, guys, the biggest one that we always, that people and you and I, me too, we all tend to do. We all tend to ignore this. We all tend to ignore a secret sin. If, this, if you've done something that, you know, wasn't against anybody specifically, but you just know you did something wrong, it's like, well, I don't have to, who should I ask forgiveness for? I don't know. I'd, well, let me just live with it kind of a thing. But secret sins make you sicker, faster than anything else and you can and it it makes your conscience sick like you cannot allow sin or darkness just to go unchecked but i know see that's the hard part so we a lot of times and i've been there too guys in that we want to ignore sometimes the obvious that's what i'm calling the the sermon today it's it's uh, ignoring the elephant in your soul because there's just things that we know that are there but we don't want to go there because it's too real like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to face that right now because to face that is to really face me, is to really face some of the difficulties that I, I don't like. I know it's there, but I'm just going to pretend that it's not. Tell me I'm not the only one. I know you've done that, right? I don't want to go there. That, that hurts too much. Or, or I, I don't want to, I, I, I don't even want God to acknowledge that because I don't even want to admit the fact that I did that or that I was that or I'm dealing with it. I am so embarrassed. I don't even want to go there with God, even though God sees it and we play the stupid game. Like we pretend like if it's not there, God won't see it. Nah, man. I mean, nah, it's, he sees it. And so we have to go there. But here's the good thing, guys. I know for some of you, maybe it may be scary to go deep. 
It may be scary to go in those closets that you haven't addressed, that trauma or that insecurity. or the, I know it could be scary. It should be because it's difficult. Darkness is always difficult to address. But until you really face it, you will not experience God's real grace in your hand, in, in your life. You won't experience it. If you ignore it, then, you know, what you going to do? You got to give God something to be able to. And so when we become real with ourselves, real with our circumstances, now God really gets to go to work. You feel me? Because we're surrendering it in his hands. But if not, uh, it's a tragic story. And so we're going we're gonna to pick up really what happens here as we're going to look at one man's fatal flaw, which my prayer all week has been that you and I don't commit this one thing. We're going to look at one man's fatal flaw in the book of Acts, that he ignored the obvious. And again, my prayer is that we don't make the same mistake. All right, so we're going to look at only a few verses, guys. It's not going to be a long one today. So let's go to uh, Acts chapter 24. Like I said, where we picked up, well, we're going to pick up where we left off. Paul was arrested. Paul was sent to trial uh, over in, um, in this other town of Caesarea where Felix was. You had a, uh, you had a Roman uh, centurion, a Roman commander who had to capture Paul when he, they found out these Jews wanted to kill a Roman citizen without he was confused. There was an assassination attempt. So he sent him to the governor for trial. He was under trial. We had Tertullus gave his argument against and laid down his charges as a persecutor. Paul was his own defender. And then we're going to pick up right now the governor's response. So let's read verse 22. Yep, 22 to 27. So since Felix was well informed about the way. The way is capital because that was the term that was used to describe the Christian movement at the time. The early Christians were called members and followers of the way. And so he was well informed. He knew a lot about what was happening in, over the last 15 to 20 years since Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. So what did he do? He adjourned the hearing saying, when Lysias the commander comes down, I will decide your case. Lysias was the commander who uh, protected Paul and sent him with the letter that Paul included, that Luke included. And so he's the reason why Paul is there. He was saying, okay, okay, okay. When this guy shows up, I will decide your case. So verse 23, he ordered that the, that the centurion in front of him keep Paul under guard, though he could have some freedom and that he should not prevent any of Paul's friends from meeting his needs. Several days later, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, interesting detail, we see this. He sent for Paul and listened to him on the subject of faith in Christ Jesus. Now, as he, Paul, spoke about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix, uh, Felix, I'm sorry, Felix became what? Say the word. Afraid. Online, I need you to type that. What did Felix become? Afraid. At the topic of what? Righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. Felix became afraid and replied, okay, wait, 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 Paul, leave. Leave right now. Leave right now. But when I have an opportunity, I'll call for you. At the same time, he was also hoping that Paul would offer him money. So look at this. He was afraid and hopeful at the same time. All right. He was afraid and hopeful that Paul was going to offer him some money, kind of like a bribe. So he sent him, uh, he sent for him quite often and conversed with Paul personally. After how long? Two years have now passed. After two years, Portius Festus succeeded Felix 
because Felix wanted to do the Jews a favor, he left Paul in prison on the way out. All right? So let's look at this. Maybe on your surface level, you can be like, all right, cute, moving on, next. But hopefully by now, if you've been with me for a couple of weeks, couple of months, you've already realized that, man, there are gems underneath the dullest rocks. Literally, there is some gems underneath some dull rocks, and we're going to pick up a few today. And so let's look at here. So as we can see, guys, there's two people, right? Who's the focus of the story? Luke is the author, inspired by the Holy Spirit. He's writing about two people. Who? You see Paul, and who's the other one? Felix, right? So we got uh, two people here, and we're A, B comparing both of them. We're seeing Felix and then Paul, and Felix and Paul, and we're seeing the two of them for a reason. And then, so the Holy Spirit wants to bring our attention to look at what's happening. Look at what Paul's doing. Look at what Felix is doing, and we're seeing even some internals. So let's look at some principles from Paul. Two quick things. Number one, man, Paul had enough, and this is where, again, your relationship with God matters because the more mature you become, and the, really it requires a lot of humility, all right? The more mature you come and the more humble you become, the more sensitive you can be to discernment from the Holy Spirit. And so here, Paul is able to discern through Felix's manipulation. The first one was when Felix put him in, in prison, right? He kind of put him under house arrest. You guys saw that? What were the two stipulations he said? He can have some freedom, but do not prevent his friends to do what? Meet his needs. So this guy has, he's, he's under Roman custody, yet, you know, he has, he has a lot of freedom here. Some speculate that he was probably in the palace as well, not in a prison. Now, this is very interesting because, again, remember, Felix at the very beginning was described as somebody who was well-informed. This guy, this guy knows his stuff. He's up to date. His Twitter feed's always refreshed. Like he's up to date. He knows what's happening. And he knows who Paul is. He is very much aware. You cannot, you cannot know what's happening in the Christian faith during this early time and not know Paul. Because Paul was the biggest instigator. He was the one who was the catalyst to so much happening so fast. So he knew who Paul was. He knew that this guy, what he did, he knew he was special. So he's, he's giving him kind of like, you know, special treatment, right? And so that's an interesting thing where already we see Felix already trying to kind of manipulate the situation, kind of like, you know, give him some perks, give him some special treatment in order, hopefully, to get something out of him. All right. I know I'm not the only one who would do things like that. All right. You know, you know, if you're a parent, you know, when your kids start behaving extra out of nowhere, Get ready. They're going to ask for something, right? They're just going to do it, right? Because they're, they're trying to butter you up. We all do that. We do that with our parents. We do that with our spouses. We do that with ind individuals. We try to butter them up and do the little things, right, to hopefully get that ask. Hey, now I got it, right? And so that's what Felix is doing. So he's able to, through the power of the Spirit, not only discern through the manipulation. And also, remember, at the end, what was he hoping to get from Paul? Money. Paul admitted in his trial, he said, listen, I came from other places, other churches, and I brought an offering to my people, to the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. And listen, that little offering was a pretty penny. It was a good amount. And so Felix, very aware of those situations, seemed like, oh, P P Paul got access to some cash. Paul got access to cash, so let me, let me play my cards right, and let me see what I can get, because if this guy got access to cash, you know, he may, uh, he may give me, slide me a little something, like a good little politician, right? You know, always looking for the little backdoor deal. And so that's Felix. And so God gave him enough discernment to figure out the manipulation, the unfair treatment, but also, guys, can we see? 
Look at how God helped Paul persevere for how many years? How many years? Two. How long would it take taken you before you already were like, listen, Felix, I'm done with you. I'm, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Every time he called, he came. He called, Paul, Paul, come, Paul. Come here now, Paul. And he came every single time. Every single time. How long until you were like, listen, I'm sleeping. Just, you just pretended, right? And you're like, I'm done. And he preached to Felix almost very often. We don't know at some point, maybe daily, but some often. For how long? Two years. And we know enough from Paul. We know enough from the scriptures and what Luke gives us that Paul's bringing it every single time. He's not like, all right, Felix, what do we want to talk about today? What's it, it going to be? I guarantee you Paul was like, I get to talk to the governor of Judea about the Christian faith, about my Jesus. I guarantee you my boy lit up every time he got to open up his mouth. Every time. And that's amazing, guys, to know that, listen, God can help us, empower us to persevere even when we don't see results. That's a big one there. I mean, you could think about it, guys. Look, process this. In two years of preaching to him, did my man get saved? According to what we see, Felix did not. Felix was not saved. After two years of being preached to by Paul, personally, that's something. And could you imagine, Paul, like I know me, I, I've, I've gone through those moments like saying, oh, am I making a difference? I'm sure you've thought through things like that. Am I making a difference for you, Lord? I don't see any results. I don't see any results. Well, I love the story about Dr. William Leslie from 1912. He was a medical missionary who went to a remote area in the, in the Democratic Republic of Congo. And so he went in the middle of nowhere in, the, in 1912. And he spent not two years, he spent 17 years preaching the gospel to these people, living amongst them, understanding them, knowing them, loving them, serving them. And after 17 years of giving his life, presenting the gospel to these people in the Congo, not one convert. That sounds depressing. Could you imagine how, dedicating 17 years of your life living for the Lord? And he went back to, the, he went back to his country, defeated. Lord, 17 years. I failed you. I'm so sorry. Well, interesting enough, that region was barely and rarely addressed and ignored. 2010, another missionary group team went to that area, that remote area that has gone untouched for almost 100 years. And the missionary team found something amazing. They found a network of multiplying churches in the most remote area of the Congo. They showed up thinking, there's nothing here. This, we're going to a place where they've never heard the gospel. And they're seeing a network of multiplying churches all throughout. They said describing it almost like, like diamonds in a mind. And they were like, what is this? Like, how did this happen? How, I mean, the, they're knowing Jesus, they're getting saved. They're like, how do they know this? What is going on here? And the more they investigated, the more they, they came to realize, yeah, there was a guy and all they could remember was his first name, the, the name he went by. After 17 years of not one convert, it doesn't mean that the Lord was not working. Because even when he left, the Holy Spirit, the seeds that this man sowed faithfully for 17 years, produced an amazing harvest for the glory of God. 
And so, guys, that's why, look, you and I, this is why part of it where Scripture says we live by and walk by faith, not by sight. Because in the end, God is the one who does the work. We just want to be his hands in the moment to participate in whichever way. And so I love that, man, God was able to, in the same way he helped Dr. Uh, Leslie persevere for 17 years, he's helping Paul persevere through those two years of the mundane. Guys, that same God can help you persevere through whatever circumstance you see yourself in today, even the non-ideal ones. So we see some cool things with Paul, but then now A.B. compare him with Felix. And Felix is where we got to hang out a little bit. Because even when you read it, don't you notice that it just looks like, look, look at Paul, but really focus on Felix. Then you see that? Where do we get more details? Paul's or Felix? Felix. We see the focus here. Almost like the Holy Spirit's like drawing circles around this man. Saying, guys, check it out. Look, look, look. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Look at this. Focus on Felix. Focus on him. And so what do we see? The first one was what? I mean, we already see at the very beginning, well-informed, right? Well-informed about the Christian way. He's very curious, right? He's talking a lot, asking Paul, hey, preach to my wife, who's Jewish. And so he must have been, this is amazing. And so let's go. And so this is probably one of, one of many anticlimactic stories in the Bible. You feel it? I mean, here it is. Paul is getting to preach to the governor of Judea, and he's inviting Paul every day. And now he invites a greater audience. Here is his wife, and he's being preached to every day. And you almost feel, according to other stories that we've seen, what should happen next is, and then Felix and his wife, the Holy Spirit comes down, and Felix and his wife are believers in Christ Jesus. And now Felix leads the whole, this is the, this is the rhythm that we see. But it was this anticlimactic moment when, and he's hearing the gospel on a daily, and then he was confronted with righteousness, self-control, and judgment. And then he became afraid and left. What an anticlimactic moment. But that one afraid is interesting. That word afraid means not spooked, all right? It was, it's like a word for horror. What he saw shook him to his bones. You guys know what it's like to be scared, but you know what it's like to be terrorized. That is what happened. See, here's the amazing thing. The Holy Spirit opened up Felix's eyes to see his sinful condition, to see the truth. And he was horrified at his sin and horrified of the idea that God would have to judge him. Because what were the three things that Paul was preaching? Three things only. Righteousness. Self-control. And what was the other one? Judgment to come. Well, we know a lot about history, guys. Felix was a character and a half. Felix was definitely not righteous, and dude lacked self-control. He was, a, he was out of control. We know this because uh, uh, not only do you see some stuff in the Bible, but extra valid historical documents tell us he was a cruel guy. He was constantly, you know, manipulating the situation. You know, we see that already in his tendencies of trying to manipulate Paul and try to do a bribe to the Jews. So here he is in the name of justice, creating an injustice against Paul, knowing that Paul is innocent. And yet he leaves him in jail still, even when he leaves. And so this guy was a cruel individual. He was a corrupt individual. He was a selfish individual. He was a wicked individual. It's actually been said that he used witchcraft to lure his wife, Drusilla, who was married already to another official. And he used witchcraft to bewitch her, to lure her so that she could leave her husband and marry him. This was a scandal in, Jewish, in, the, in the Jewish land. Everybody knew who Felix and Drusilla was. 
Everybody did, all right? They didn't ship them, all right? This was, everybody knew this, all right? Everybody knew this couple. It was scandalous, and it was definitely very wicked, you know? Drusilla's probably 20 years old around this time, and this is her second marriage, Felix's third, all right? And so dude is out of control. He is not a righteous person. He is, does not have self-control. He is out of control. He does whatever he wants, when he wants, how he wants it, right? And then the judgment to come. That one got him. When the light of the gospel is shining on him, on his unrighteousness, on the fact that he deserved to be judged for his sin, what did he do? He pulled the parachute and said, all right, Paul, you got to go. All right, it's getting too serious in here. It's getting too hot. It's getting too hot. You got to go. You got to go. He pulls the parachute out and says, I'll call you when I need you. Guys, that to me is so, he was literally at the point of believing in Christ. He was, all he had to do was call on the name of Jesus and Felix's life is forever transformed. But instead, he didn't want to go there. He wanted to ignore the obvious. He wanted to ignore the elephant in his soul and said, no, 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 I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. He left, turned, kept Paul at a distance. Guys, let me tell you, I'm, 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 watch this. A lot of times, all right, when, when we like to be in that secret thing, Scripture says that, that darkness does not like light. It, does, it wants to avoid light at all costs. And so you can tell when you are not right, and you can tell, this is a warning sign for some of you. Pray the Holy Spirit can show you online. If that's you, you can't hide if you're on the other side of the screen. All right, look at me. All right. If you start to realize you are distancing yourself from truth tellers, Something's not not right. Like, you know, where you are living a life in such a way that now you start distancing yourself from the people you know that love you so much that will call you out on it. And you want to keep them at arm's bay. I'll call you when I need you. You are being misled. You You are sliding further into darkness because you want to keep the truth tellers out. We all know who those are. We have tendencies. You know what I'm talking about, right? When you're in it, uh, I don't want to talk to so-and-so. If I talk to so-and-so, the second I see her, she knows. It's like, it's like she knows. The second I see him, he's going to ask me. So I don't want, I'm going to ghost his phone calls. I'm going to ignore the text messages. That's it. I don't want to know. So I'm not going to go to church anymore because every time I show up, every time I show up, the Holy Spirit just convicts me every single time. So I'm not going to go to church. I'm not going to open up the Bible. I'm just going to listen to the preachers that make me feel good. Because you want to ignore the obvious. Thinking that's going to help. That's like you, 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 you're bleeding out through an artery. I'm like, no, no, it's good. I'm fine. I'll be okay. It's okay. It's a flesh wound. All right. It's fine. Guys, it doesn't work that way. So already, you know, there, if you start keeping the truth tellers at bay, you got to be careful. That's what he did here. And um, it's so sad how many times we catch ourselves treating God the way Felix treated Peter, uh, treated Paul. He's like saying, all right, all right, we're done here. Uh, you can go now, Paul. Thank you. I'll call you when I need you. Guys, let me warn you, please don't treat God like that. There's a lot of times when we say, all right, God, I need you. He comes. He gives us what we need, what we want. He must, you know, we use the, you know, truth to massage our conscience away. I'm like, all right, you can go now. I'll call you when I need you. Listen, God is not your bellboy. God is not your waiter. God is your father. He's your king. He deserves some more respect. And he deserves more than for you to be able to just beckon him, call him when you need him, 
Who's the king here? Who's God? It's not him. I mean, it's not you. It's him. So be careful. We can, we can treat God in the same way. But then this last one was interesting, guys. What, at the very beginning, we see that he was a well-informed. That's the first detail, right? He was a well-informed individual. But at the end of two years of being preached to by who? Paul himself. He was, well, he was more informed probably than anyone else. Because he was getting it from the source. Paul, at the end of this two years, I, I think it would be hard to find anybody else who was more informed about Christ, about the Bible, about what the Christian way is and was and what it means. I think Felix probably was an expert. He was well informed, but he was never transformed. And that's the issue. That's the issue there. See, it doesn't matter, guys, how much of this you know, which is good. I've been challenging you, warning you, encouraging you. Feast on this. Dive in on this. Just, this is not just information. No, this is the face of God himself. It's his truth. It's who he is. So get in on this. Some of it is hard. It's okay. Chew on it better. Take smaller bites, whatever it is. But get in. You need this. This is important. But what's so beautiful about it is that it is not necessary so much for salvation. It literally, the true statement, I know you've heard this. Who, who have said here before, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Right? How many of us know that to be true? Right? There's people who get jobs that are less qualified than others. Why? Because it's not what you know, it's who you know. Guys, listen, that works the same way here. It's not so much about what you know, it's the fact that who do you know? That's the key. And we see this with the first, the first person while Jesus is on the cross. The first person that we see that enters into the kingdom of God is someone who's a robber. He's, he deserves that. And all he knew was, I just know you to be the son of God. And that's, I just know you to be God and be innocent. Remember me. That's all he knew. And it was enough. Because it wasn't what he knew. It was who he believed in. That's the same thing. But guys, I want, you, I want you to understand, if you are being well informed and not transformed, then you're missing it. You're missing it. Because the Pharisees and all these religious people were well informed about all this, but their hearts were not transformed. In fact, even think of that word in English. Informed. You are not informed if your inside is not formed by the truth of God. You feel me on that? That's the point of it. To be informed is to be informed. That the inside, that God is forming who you are. Shaping you, forming you into his likeness, into his image. That's what we see and that's what we didn't see here in Felix. At the end of two years, what does he do? He leaves Paul rotting in jail. An innocent man who he knows is innocent. But yet he wants to, what? Appease the Jews who don't like him. That's another one, guys. Stop trying to impress people that don't like you and you don't even like all right, that's another one. We try to impress people that honestly we don't even like. For what? Stop it, all right? That's, a, that's literally what he did there. It's literally what he did. You know who else looks like Felix? Man, he had an audience with Paul. Getting fire sermons every, at, at his beck and call. Heart never changed. Sounds a lot like another guy named Judas Iscariot. You guys know that guy? He's one of the 12 with Jesus. Have you ever thought about the fact that Judas heard every sermon that Jesus preached for three years in person and yet he never changed? Judas heard every sermon of Jesus. But what was Judas's problem? He loved money too much and loved power. What was Felix's problem? He was horrified of his sin, but at the same time he was hoping to get a little cash. He was conflicted. He was a divided soul. 
So what did he do? While confronted with the love of God that was going to address his sin, he chose to settle for the love of money. Hoping. Hope was found in Christ. But yet he settled hoping he could get some pocket change on the side. Guys, that's what we do when we settle for less. But hold on, there's a third, there's a third person. I don't know if you've noticed him yet. We've seen Paul. We've seen Felix. But have you seen God? Listen, God's grace is all throughout this thing. Number one, we see God's grace through Paul. Almost two decades in, what have we seen? We've seen Paul go from a persecutor of the Christian faith to the number one proponent of the Christian faith, where God is using him to author and pen most of the New Testament. He is there preaching and witnessing. He is the key catalyst to this expansion of the Christian faith all throughout the, the Roman world. And not only that, he was a formerly a slave to sin and set free and God is using him as a faithful witness. So we're seeing God, his grace, even despite that there's injustice happening towards Paul. There's a lot of injustice happening right now. And yet God's grace is helping him to sustain, to persevere all the way until the end. Well, you know what? God's grace was all over Felix. And that's the sad part. Felix, we know this in history. You know that Felix was a slave? He was a former slave. And the only reason why he got governor is because of who he knew. He was literally, his brother actually did something so valuable, so valiant to Emperor Caesar of the time that he said, hey, do me, a, I want you, can you do me a favor, sir? Can you make my brother, can you make him governor of Judea? So my boy went from rags to riches for real. That was Felix. He went rags to riches from a slave now to the governor of the Judean region. You would think that would humble somebody, right? You would think that would cause you to change and to be more grateful for the things in your life. Not this guy. Not only that, he wasn't grateful for his first wife. He wasn't grateful for his second wife. And he had to go steal the third. You see this? Look at who his heart is. And yet God's grace was there. And to the point that look at that God brought Paul out of all places that this guy could have gone to. Where did Paul go to? To Felix. And he had Paul right there to ask any religious question, anything he wanted. He had Paul right there, un Paul's undivided attention for two years. You see the grace of God towards Felix. And yet Felix just plugged his ears, only wanted to hear what he wanted to hear. And despite God's goodness in his life, he remained a cruel, selfish, self-centered individual. Even when he left. Here we read that he left and he was replaced by somebody else. Well, we actually know the rest of the story according to history. He was actually accused by former Jews of subjects. He was brought all the way to Rome. And he was accused. Remember, remember, here's Paul accused in front of him. Guilty. And I mean, he was innocent, right? But he left him. And so here now, here's someone know how he's being accused by what he did. And he actually was guilty where Paul was not. And here he deserved the death penalty according to Roman standards, by what he was given. But yet, look at God's grace. What's that phrase? Yo, look at God. Look at God. Look at God. He deserved the death penalty, and Felix was quitted. Tell me, if not all of those other things, could that not have been, you know what, I need to get my life right. I need to get my act right. Look at God's grace all the way into the end. But yet, he never changed. He got sick and died. Tragic story. Felix's story is a tragedy. God's grace was all over his life trying to save him. But yet what did he do? He didn't want to go there. He didn't want to admit and look to the darkness inside of his soul. 
that the light of God was trying to shine. He didn't want to go there. So he did not just die from some physical disease. He died from a disease called sin. It was already eating them away for years and years and years. And guys, that tragedy unfortunately happens today. You can be just like Felix when you ignore the elephant in your soul. When you see it, some of y'all need to fight it right now because you're already, you're already doing it. I guarantee you somebody already logged off a minute ago. I'm like saying, nope, moving on. All right, I wouldn't be surprised. Because there's things that God wants to address. It could be things that you've done or just things that, that have happened to you that you don't want to go there. You don't want to admit that. It's the elephant in your soul. Or maybe, I'll give you even another one. Maybe it's, it's you're, you're low-key mad at God for whatever. You blame him for something. But because you know he's good, you don't want to go there. You don't want to verbally admit, I'm actually mad at you right now, but I'm going to pretend like I'm not. And I'm just going to go through the motions. There's elephants in everyone's soul that we cannot ignore because eventually that elephant's going to roll over and crush you. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than you. And so, guys, well, we do the same tragedy. We do what, what happened to Felix can happen to us. And so let's look at those three things as we look to wrap up today. And let's see how we respond. What were the three things? Righteousness, self-control, and judgment to come. This process is what led him to that part where he said, nope, no more. First off, righteousness. Guys, there's verse after verse after verse that you can look up at what is righteousness. But let me just give you the, the general definition. So every time you see righteousness in the Bible, it has, it, it's weird. It, it's it's really talking about God. And now sometimes righteousness is described to a person like Abraham and believed and it was given and counted to him as righteousness. And Noah was a righteous person. Job was a righteous person. When you see it addressed like that to people, it doesn't mean that they were perfect. Okay? But it means that their faith was not in themselves, but in a righteous God, where he gives us credit. Paul talks about things like Jesus became our sin so we can become righteousness, so that it, it, the credit can be given to us. This is what he's saying, and what, this is what righteousness is. Righteousness is the state of being as you ought to be. It's who you were supposed to be all along, and you're not. It's perfection. You know, Ashley read a verse today. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We sang that today. Holy is perfection on elite level. That is what we are supposed to be. But we're not. So righteousness is the, the state of being as you ought to be. And here's the thing, guys. When you believe in Christ Jesus, talking about your, your, your sins are cleansed and your conscience is clear. Why? Because... Because you are confronted with the God that actually when you looked at the horror of your sin and asked him, will you forgive me? And he said, yes. You are confronted with the love of God that actually loves you as, as if you were perfect, but you weren't. Guys, I want you to know that when God loves you, each one of you, I don't care where you are on this level, God loves you, all right, if you've received Christ he loves you as if you've never done anything wrong. He loves you at max capacity. And there is nothing that you can do to make him love you less. And there's nothing you can do to make him love you more. His love with you is maxed. And when you believe in the love of Jesus, 
That's what this is. And so righteousness now is when God looks at you. He doesn't see your sin because you are been covered by the righteousness of Christ. And Jesus, look at how amazing this is. I know you look in the mirror and you don't like what you see. But when you are a believer in Christ, when he looks at you, he looks at you as how you will be one day. In perfect perfection in heaven with, with, when the resurrection to come happens. He looks at you now as if the way you will be. You look at the way you are now compared to the past. Jesus looks at you now according to who you'll be in the future. And the goal is how can, maturing in the faith is learning to see with his eyes, not yours. You see that? Is learning to live with eyes looking towards the future, not living in the past. So that's righteousness, is being the way you ought to be. And the truth, guys, is none of us are righteous. We all know it because we've all admitted it. No one is, what's the phrase we use? Perfect. No one is perfect. But when you say that, you understand you condemn yourself. Because when you say that no one is perfect, you are admitting there is a level of perfection that exists and no one makes it. You condemn yourself with that statement. Look at that. But what's so beautiful is that we have a righteous God who did everything right. And that when you believe in him, you are now in right standing with God. That's what your righteousness looks like. means you are in right standing. Self-control is the other one. Self-control, if you know the Bible, that sounds like a fruit of the Spirit. Self, you know, there's, when you believe in Christ, when that righteousness is doing a work inside, when you are being informed by the gospel, literally informed by the gospel like that, right? There's fruits that produce of love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and last one, self-control. That's an interesting one. Why last on that one? Because here's a lot of times, guys, when, listen, God, when he says, when you lose yourself in me, you find yourself. And the reality is that the more you mature in Christ, the more that your love and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness, the more all of that you be reflects God, the more true, the more your true you actually arises. Like you are in control, surrendered to God. But I want you to see that the more that your true you, you become your true you, the more you give yourself and surrender to the Lord, the more you are informed by the gospel. And both those, these things, right? Look, both of these things, righteousness and this ability to self-control yourself, meaning, no, I will not sin because that is an affront to the Lord. You're going to have moments that, you know, we, we talked about this last week. There's no such thing as a Christian who can level up to a certain extent and never sin ever again. If you bump up into one that is believing that, that is a prideful Christian. All right? That means they're already losing. Okay? And so, listen, both of these things are not achieved. Your righteousness in God and the ability to be and self-control is not achieved. It is received. Because Christ achieved it for you on the cross. You can do that. It is, it is received, not achieved. And then there's that last one, judgment day. I think a judgment day, I automatically think of, you know, just Terminator, right? And all those things, right? That's, that's what I grew up, you know, judgment day. Judgment day is the day in which all sins will be judged. Scripture speaks of this often, often, especially in the New Testament. It is described as the most horrific day that will ever occur. There's going to be a lot of people who are going to realize they ignored God, they ignored the elephant in the room all around them and in themselves, and they're going to be standing face to face before God one day. And they're going to be judged by their sin because they, he, they never let God wash their sins away in this life. And, there, and to me, there's going to be a lot of very informed people 
who are going to stand before the Lord and realize that wasn't enough because their hearts were never transformed. Even if they lived it, even if they knew it, it was something different. That is going to be a horrific day for many. But for believers, guys, listen, what's cool is judgment day is actually going to be a joyful day. Judgment day is a joyful day for believers. You know why? Because if, if you're a believer in Christ Jesus, your judgment day is not in the future. Your judgment day was in the past. I'm going to say that again. Listen, if you're a believer in Christ Jesus, your judgment day is not in the future. It's not going to happen. It already happened. Because when you asked God to forgive you of your sins, you recognize you were guilty of this. When you asked God to forgive you of your sins, then you know what happened? When Jesus died on the cross, that was judgment day. Jesus was judged for our sins. And so when you ask him to forgive you of your sins, that counts for you. And so when judgment day comes, all right, you get an access. You know because my sins were already judged. I don't need to be judged anymore. So it is a joyful day for us because we get to enter into the peace that none of us could earn or deserve. But it was a gift of God's grace for us. So if you are literally looking at the future return of Christ and you are freaking out, let me encourage you. Don't, I, I, I pray that it is not a lie. I pray that you have not believed in a lie. Because, guys, none of us, even me, I've, I know that when I have to face God face to face, I know there's going to be things that I could have and should have done better. And I didn't because of whatever. But I know that I can stand before him knowing that his grace was enough, even though I was not. Guys, that is a joyful day. That is a joyful day for you. And if you look at that day with fear and horror right now, do not do what Felix did and pull the plug and say, no, no, don't believe it. Nope, nope, I'm done. Changing the channel. I'm out of here. I got to go to the bathroom now. All right, and now you're going to leave. Conveniently, right? No, okay? You can hold it. I'm sorry. So now somebody that really needed to go is going to be like, oh my gosh. And so listen, listen. Judgment day is a joyful day. But just like Christ, let me say this. Jesus walked out. After the third day, where did Jesus walk out? He walked out of a tomb, right? Showing that he is not just some great guy that had some great statements that just died a horrific death and that was over. He rose from the dead three days later. He rose himself from the dead. He reversed death itself to show us that if he is Lord of death like this, he is Lord over sin and all things. If he can reverse death, he can reverse sin. He can reverse the curse in our lives. That's what the resurrection states. But here's the thing. Jesus, he had to go to the cross before he, he had to go out the grave. He had to go through the cross first before he, he went out of the grave. Guys, listen, you will not walk out of the tomb of death unless you first face the cross in life. You will not walk out of the tomb of death one day unless you face the cross in life. All right? Some of us, we get petrified because we know God has to judge and address our sin. It's better for him to address it now and you can still live Versus you push it off until it's too late and now you're having to pay for it. Guys, this is something you don't want to ignore. The, any sin elephants in your life. Felix was very informed, but he wasn't what? Transformed. And the only way you can be transformed is to let that information in you. In your mind, in your heart. That you believe in it. That you believed in Christ, that you're willing to surrender and submit and lay all of it down. 
do not do what Felix did. He was too shameful and afraid, and he drew back from God. He didn't want to, God wanted to do a real work in him, and he wanted to ignore. No, 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 it's getting too real. It's getting too real. No, 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 no. As my, my prayer is that we don't do that. Some of you may have some today, and you got to address it. Some of you may not, and you will one day, because this is just, this is the norm, this is the, this is the rhythm. We got to be able to submit all of these things to him. And in the moment, I'm not here to sugarcoat anything, guys. It's going to be grief. You're going to feel grief. That you can't be grateful for something unless you have first experienced the weight of it. There's going to be a moment when, listen, grief, when you look at your sin and when you look at that elephant, the fact that you let it there. Some of you have been feeding that elephant and it's gotten this big for a reason because you've ignored it and you've contributed to it. It feeds on darkness. It feeds on, on lies. It feeds on sickness and secrets. But the good news is, is, guys, I don't care how big that elephant is. Listen, your God is bigger. And it's not even close. And so though the grief may be for a moment to have to look at that and to have to relive or admit that, the grief will be real, but it will only be for a moment. Because when you surrender it to God, that grief is turned into gratitude. When he removes it, the weight off of your shoulders. It, that grief turns into gratitude when you experience Jesus' forgiveness. And so grief may last for a moment, but that gratitude that comes from Christ, that lasts for all eternity. And it is something that he is constantly offering. Will we be like Felix and refuse to focus on what we need to do? Or will we be like Paul, who was constantly willing to admit, I boast in my weakness. I am not going to hide anything because I know that secret makes me sick. I'm going to admit all things to my friends, my, to the Lord itself, because I want nothing to interrupt what's happening right now. And now, Paul made his decision. I have to make those decisions, and so do you. And I pray that you do not make Felix's decision or mistake in that he didn't want to go deep. He was sensitive to the Holy Spirit, sensitive to the truth, and yet he closed his eyes to the light and closed his heart to the Lord. Listen, that does not have to be you. And I want you to know that and encourage you in that sometimes we're afraid to look at that darkness we're afraid to look at our faults and our failures because it becomes too real. It becomes too um, overwhelming that our, our shame, our guilt becomes overwhelming that we don't want to process it. We don't want to deal, it, deal with it. But listen, that does not make it go away. That's like somebody who's just so stressed with life that all they're going to do is just get drunk and get wasted so they, don't, they can forget about all of it and have fun for a day. But the next day, you're still going to have those problems. And on top of that, you have a hangover. And now you're going to have to deal with that. So your problems are not worse. Your problems get worse when you ignore the elephant in your soul. Only the Lord can deal with it. I know it is scary. I know you don't want to go there. But if you don't follow the leading of the Lord in going in those places, you can't move forward. Trust in the Lord. Yes, our sin, the elephants of our sin are huge. But the King of Kings is greater and his love is greater. And you cannot out his love. Trust in the name of Jesus.